So have you ever had a Moses moment? Now you probably know what that means just from the phrase, a Moses moment. You know, when God says, hey, I've given you a brilliant mind. I was with you all the way through your schooling. Uh, you've learned some really important lessons along the way. You're competent, intelligent, prepared. Now I want you to ask for that promotion. I want you to start your own business or write that book that's burning inside you or start your own online community. And you say, are you kidding me? Me? I can't do that. Hey, we're going to talk about how to break through your Moses moment and claim the next great thing in your life. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. All right, here we are going to take care of business. We're going to do it by focusing on a theme for today. I just want to share some thoughts with you about persistence because I see how important it is in moving us forward and how often people just quit and go off in another direction. So we're going to be talking about that, going to be using some of the principles out of Think and Grow Rich on persistence, but just persistence in general. So here's how we're going to frame this. What are the four steps that build the principle of persistence for you? Why does poverty keep showing up in your life? What are the weaknesses that must be mastered if you're going to accumulate wealth? What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? And then what should you do when you have a Moses moment? So we're going to go through those, just move through those, kind of frame today's conversation around those. Now, certainly there's a lot of questions that I get to precipitate this content from you all who are struggling with some of these things. So we're going to go more toward the principles involved than just sharing the questions today. Quotation, I pulled one from Henry David Thoreau. It addresses this very issue. He said, if one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. Love that thought. Our resource today is the upcoming webinar. We got a webinar coming up September 9th, one o'clock or seven o'clock. I'm titling it The Great Resignation. Now, resignation, you know, that word can be used in a couple different ways. We're seeing a whole lot of people that are resigning their jobs. But in some ways, you know, resignation means kind of giving up. So we're going to unpack that, The Great Resignation. You know, what does it mean to take advantage of all these changes that are taking place, this crazy two-year period we've been in now? What does that mean? Are we victims or can you walk through it, find new opportunities? So again, Thursday, September 9th, one o'clock or seven o'clock. If you go to 48days.com slash webinar, you'll see there a way you can just reserve your seat for that. Love to have you. We're going to be talking about how to find meaning and purpose in your work, you know, how to get a handle on what you really want, what questions to ask in an interview, what employers are looking for. And what you can look for if you're trying to bring people onto your team. You know, what does that blend look like to get people? Again, 48days.com slash webinar. I'd love to see you there. All right. Now, this idea of persistence that just has shown up so much recently, 
I want to just share some stories, some clear identification of what might be holding you back. And then I'm going to end with the four steps that you need, four steps that lead to the habit of persistence. And these are things that you do don't require, you know, super intelligence. You don't have to go back and get another degree. They don't require a lot of time. You just need to know what they are. So we're going to come back and end on those. But again, going through these principles that I want to share, how to walk out of poverty, how to walk out of not being able to continue toward a goal once you've identified what it is. How do you do that? Well, in Think and Grow Rich, uh, when this chapter that deals with it, he says, persistence is an essential factor in the procedure of transmuting desire into its monetary equivalent. Now, I've got some words in there that we don't use a whole lot. You don't hear about transmutation a whole lot, but it just means moving from the desire into its physical reality. In this case, being if you want to accumulate riches, you know, have more money coming in. And the basis of persistence is the power of the will. Now, I've talked in the past on here about this idea of the will. You know, in school, we were taught information. We were taught facts and figures. You know, we were taught multiplication tables, geometry, chemical charts, things that are instantly available today to get that information without taking space up in your head. That's another story. But we're not taught what Napoleon Hill calls the faculties of the mind. Six faculties of the mind, and those are perception, reason, will, memory, intuition, imagination. So the will is something that we can develop. It allows us to continue, you know, when other people stop. It helps us move forward when all the signs look like we're failing. And, and what Napoleon Hill talks about, he uses the term sustained concentration, which allows us to stay focused on our dream, even if there are distractions Boy, are there distractions today. I mean, they're all around us. But this sustained concentration can move us through. Now, we don't do this without faith. We have to believe that confident assurance that, you know, something up ahead. I mean, that's the definition of faith right out of the Bible. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It's the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. That isn't true with a lot of people that we see today. I mean, there, there's a whole lot of people who are just ready to throw their aims and purposes overboard, you know, give up at the first sign of any kind of opposition or struggle. This idea of being persistent, of sticking with something, is not common, but it's an, a practice that you can adopt today that'll carry you through. And we're going to unpack this. I want to make sure that you understand this does not mean just continuing in the wrong direction. No, not at all. But it means once you have really identified what your goal is, what you need to do to get there, then persistence can help you stay in there when other people are going to drop off along the way. Andy Andrews, a personal friend, a New York Times bestselling author. You've all heard of him. Andy Andrews has great books out there. His first book really was The Traveler's Gift. And he talks about this idea of persisting. One of the seven principles, the seven decisions that he shares in The Traveler's Gift is persist without exception. He talks about trying to get that book published, The Traveler's Gift. I mean, that was his first book. People didn't know him. He got 
rejection after rejection. It ended up getting rejected 51 times. 51 times his book proposal was rejected. But he said, I still persisted. He said, I will persist without exception. He knew the message was good. He knew he had to get it out there to share with people. He kept going back and kind of looking at what was he doing wrong. He finally decided that his book proposal really wasn't very compelling. But while he was working on that, he had a fateful dinner in Nashville, happened to be at a dinner. There were a lot of people there, and he ended up sitting right next to Gail Hyatt. A lot of you will recognize that name pretty unusual last name. Yes, she's the wife of Michael Hyatt, who at the time was the CEO publisher at Thomas Nelson Publishers. That was one of the publishers who had already rejected Andy's book twice. He has the letters framed in his hallway. Twice he was rejected already, but then he was sitting next to Gail Hyatt. He started, you know, she started asking him what he was interested in. He started talking about that. She got really intrigued. He said, hey, I just happened to have a copy of the manuscript out in my car. Let me go get it. He did. Gave it to her. She stayed up all night and read it right straight through. In the morning, she told Michael, you need to publish this book. And as they say, the rest is history. But that idea of persistence 51 times, I mean, my goodness, Most people I know who get rejected from a publisher get a rejection and they stop. They go in a different direction. I mean, how many great books got buried out there because somebody didn't keep moving forward? I mean, Mark Victor Hansen with Chicken Soup for the Soul, he says that book was rejected by 144 publishers. And then he ended up having a a little publisher that agreed just to print a few copies, essentially with him guaranteeing that he would buy them if they didn't sell. So it wasn't a traditional publishing deal, but of course that took off and now they've sold, well, over half a billion copies of of Chicken Soup for the Soul. You know, with, with 48 days, I mean, I persisted. I didn't approach a publisher. I wasn't even thinking about having a book in those days. I just wanted to help people walk through these inevitable transitions and changes we have in our lives. So I persisted in finding ways to share that message. My goodness, I mean, Joanna and I would drive an hour to show up at a little church on a Monday night where they had invited us and share with the six people who showed up. I mean, I'd offer to speak at the Rotary Club, at career groups, universities. But in doing that, my message that you really can change your direction, your results in your life in 48 days started getting traction. Then I went to a Mark Victor Hansen conference in California and heard him talk about how he was selling copies of his books, Chicken Soup for the Soul. I came back and in the next 30 months sold over $2 million worth of my little three ring binder called 48 Days to the Work You Love. Then I had publishers knocking on my door. It was a very reverse process, but my persistence in getting the message out there then brought the opportunities for getting it into a book deal. Then there was the New York Times bestselling list, then a next book deal, and it went on from there. One of the things that I want to share with you is fall in love with your dream, but don't fall in love with your plan. This is kind of a dicey thing when we talk about persistence, because I'm not talking about just continuing to do things that are not working. But if something's not working, it shouldn't redirect you from your long-term dream. Just recognize the plan isn't working well. 
So let's unpack this a little bit. I mean, there, there are times when it looks to others like you're quitting, you're giving up, when in fact, you're simply changing your plan for continuing toward the success you've identified, toward your specific goal. So let's say that your goal is to make $100,000 in your job and to not have to drive more than 10 miles from your home to get there. But right now, you have to drive 40 miles to work and you're only making $65,000. Should you just persist and persist and persist and hope that with your 3% increases that you're going to get every year, that ultimately you're going to get up to you know the goal that you have? No. It's clear that plan isn't going to work well. You need to create a new plan. And that may mean quitting the position you're in now, even though it was a position that you, you know, worked hard to get. That's what we mean by persistence. You can change the plan that you're on, change the road you're on. I mean, last week, Joanne and I flew to Dallas. So if we left Sarasota, Florida, and we're 50 miles out in the air, and the captain realized we're headed towards Chicago, we don't want to just persist and stick into that wrong direction. No, we're going to make an adjustment at that point to quit that ineffective process, to correct, get back on a path that'll take us to our desired destination. I mean, Microsoft has canceled hundreds of products because they understood that the products were not performing well and they could could free up the time of maybe 20 or 30 people that were working on those projects and have them work on things that really were working better. Now, a lot of times I talk with you all about getting started and you know what I say, you know, if you're going to start a podcast, learn how to launch it well, do a spectacular job of creating content, uh, do it consistently with whatever regularity you've promised and don't second guess yourself for a year. I mean, don't even think about quitting. And we know the average podcast lasts seven episodes, seven episodes. People do it for less than two months. They think, wow, I'm not getting the downloads. I thought I would. Nobody's responding. It, it's not working. I'll just stop. No, I want you to do it for a year. Do 52 episodes. Now with mine, you know, I started again, going from radio to podcasting started in December of 2006. And my commitment was that I'd do it for a year. So I did it for a year. Well, my listeners' numbers didn't drop. They actually grew from what I had on the radio. And I thought, okay, this works. So now I've been doing it ever since then, since August of 2006. You know, every single week I'm on here, never missed a week, never did a replay. Of course, that's one of the ways that builds trust as well when you are consistent. But when people see you just start, stop, start, stop, it, it hurts your credibility. So if you're going to do something like that, start a blog, start a podcast, whatever it is, start YouTube videos, do it for a year. Do 52 episodes if you're doing one a week. Then, yes, take a good look at how that podcast, how that blog, how that YouTube video, how is it helping you move toward your goal? Now, if after a year you're doing a podcast and you're getting 150 downloads a month, it's probably not helping you to the degree that it justifies using your time. Maybe there's something that would be more effective for you to use than that. And with that, I'm encouraging you, stop what you were doing. Change the plan. Keep moving towards your goal, but stop the plan. And one of the things that we see people with success 
people who are high achievers, people who understand persistence, is they also take personal responsibility. They don't blame the economy. You don't hear them pointing fingers at the government, the boss, the company, the neighbors, their spouse, their church. They don't blame COVID. Now, I mean, we've been in this thing almost two years at this point. I mean, if a company or an individual hasn't figured out how to pivot, how to adapt, how to change, how to move forward at this point, I mean, the solution is not to keep looking outward, but to look inward. I mean, we can't change the economy. We have limited control over who's in the White House at any given time. We certainly didn't ask for this pandemic, but we can control our response to all those things. One of Joanne, my wife's favorite quotations, comes from Barbara Bush, who did spend time in the White House. But she said, your success as a family, our success as a nation depend not on what happens inside the White House, but on what happens inside your house. Boy, I really, I love that. What's going on in your house that's moving you forward to your success? Now, let's dig a little bit deeper on how to start in your own house, this idea of looking inward. You know, we hear the phrase, we hear the the verse out of the Bible, Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I grew up in a home where my dad was a pastor, and hearing that verse kind of implied, you don't worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about where you live, what you're doing, you know, who you are. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know, that mean, mean, you know, go to Africa and help the people there. You know, or go to Haiti and help build schools down there. Seek first the kingdom of God. Well, but as we do a little bit more study, this is pretty interesting. It's very, very interesting. What does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, in Luke, there were a bunch of wise guys around Jesus, you know, saying, what's up with this kingdom of God? You know, when's it going to happen? Where's it going to be? Who's going to be the leader? How can we identify that? He says, neither shall they say, lo here, lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Wow. That's a different approach. That's different than what I was taught as a kid. The kingdom of God is within you. So the keys to seeking first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. Hey, start by looking inward. That's why we talk so much about that. That's why I talk about in 48 days to the work you love. Looking inward is 85% of the process. This is not being self-serving or conceited or anything. It's finding the path to really discover the kingdom of God and what that means for you. Look inward first. Well, let me move on with some other thoughts here about persistence. I mentioned that we were going to also identify the source of poverty. In Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill says, poverty is attracted to the one whose mind is favorable to it. As money is attracted to one whose mind has been deliberately prepared to attract it. And through the same laws, poverty consciousness will voluntarily seize the mind that is not occupied with money consciousness. Now, again, this is not being just materialistic and, gee, the only thing that matters is money. But it's a simple principle. If, we, if you have a, a plot of land, if you've got an acre of land outside your house, uh, it's not currently part of your yard, but it's just kind of there in itself. If that's just left to its own, you're going to get weeds there. They naturally reproduce and spread. 
If you want to have a beautiful garden, you have to dig up those weeds. You have to pull them up. You have to till. You have to plant what you want there. Plant those pure, clean, positive things you want in your garden. Then water them, fertilize them, nurture them, keep things clean. That's how you build a great garden. The same thing is true with your mind. Just left to itself, you'll be thinking how bad things are. Nothing's working. Everything's bad. Everything's going downhill. I don't have any money. I'm broke. Well, if those are the conversations in your mind, they will reproduce and that'll be pretty much, they'll fill the entirety of your mind. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, the conversations in our house were not about prosperity. They were about poverty. I mean, we did not have money for new bicycles. We did not have money to go out to restaurants and eat like other people did. And we certainly didn't have money for vacations. I mean, there was almost a spiritual pride about being poor. I mean, the scarcity of money. I mean, clean your plate. There's starving children in Ethiopia. I mean, we shouldn't expect to have much because there are dangers in having money. I mean, rich people take advantage of others. I mean, we demonize the rich. I mean, those are the kind of things that I heard. I mean, my parents were very, very frugal. They were hard workers. They were frugal. My mom would wash tinfoil to reuse it. If she had a piece of tin foil, you know, she'd use it 10 times rather than tearing off another piece from the roll in the drawer. No, we weren't wasteful. If I got a hole in my sock, my mom would darn the hole and I'd continue to wear them. Now, poverty teaches you things. And if you grew up poor as I did, I mean, look back at the lessons you learned. I mean, I love that on the farm. I learned how to fix things, how to make things better, how to be persistent and working toward the things I wanted most. I mean, I value that, and you can too if that's the way you if you grew up. And if that's how you're living now, certainly learn the lessons there, but be ready to move on. Well, again, this idea of persistence and think and grow rich says those who have cultivated the habit of persistence seem to enjoy insurance against failure. No matter how many times they're defeated, they finally arrive up near the top of the ladder. Wow, I love that. If you cultivate the habit of persistence, you have an insurance against failure. What a great encouragement. All right. Now, there are some weaknesses which must be mastered if you're going to build the principle of persistence and move through that to create the kind of life that you want. These are the weaknesses, and I'm going to go through these and just blast through these. There's 16. I'm just going to list them real quickly. If you have a copy of Think and Grow Rich, you can find them there in the chapter on persistence, but I want to focus on number 16 a little bit, which is, well, I'll tell you what that is here in a second, but we start off. These are the weaknesses that have to be mastered by all who want to improve their lives. Failure to recognize and to clearly define exactly what one wants now, that seems kind of self-evident, but it, you wouldn't believe how common that is, where people say, gee, I you know, hate the life I'm living. Well, what do you want? Gee, I don't know. I'm not real sure. That's a problem. You have to get real clear. So failure to recognize and clearly define exactly what one wants. Number two is procrastination. Three, lack of interest in acquiring specialized knowledge. Four, indecision. The habit of passing the buck on all occasions instead of facing issues squarely. Number five, the habit of relying upon alibis instead of creating definite plans for the solution of problems. Six, self-satisfaction. Seven, indifference. Eight, the habit of blaming others for one's mistakes and accepting unfavorable circumstances as being unavoidable. 
Nine, weakness of desire. Ten, willingness, even eagerness to quit at the first sign of defeat. Eleven, lack of organized plans. Twelve, the habit of neglecting to move on ideas or to grasp opportunity when it presents itself. I love that. I mean, I really believe there's a window of opportunity. I mean, if God presents you with an idea and you don't do something, he's going to give it to somebody else. Uh, 13, wishing instead of willing. 14, the habit of compromising with poverty instead of aiming at riches. 15, searching for all the shortcuts to riches, trying to get without giving. And then number 16, fear of criticism. Fear of criticism. I mean, think about the people that you know who permit relatives, friends, the public, the politicians what, to influence them so they can't live their own lives because they fear criticism. I've dealt with this. I mean, I've dealt with this a lot. When I went back to graduate school for my master's degree in clinical psychology, I got a teaching assistantship that eliminated my tuition costs. So that was awesome. I also got a monthly stipend, you know, enough to buy groceries. It was about all it was. All I had to do was to teach two classes on introductory psychology to the incoming freshmen. Now, I showed up on campus I thought they would give me, the administration would give me a textbook, a course outline, study sheets, exams to be administered. I got nothing. I mean, nothing. I was totally on my own. I was blown away. It still amazes me that they turned me loose like that, but that's what was done. I had to choose a book we were going to use. I had to come up with my own study guides for the students. I had to come up with my own exams and then decide how I was going to grade, determining if if these kids were going to be able to go on in their schooling or not. And I'll tell you, walking down the hall to that first class that first day, I mean, I was terrified. I mean, I had chosen a textbook. I knew the material, but I was mortified. I mean, thinking I would be found out as less than brilliant. I mean, I had never taught before. I never taught anything. I mean, students would likely complain and get back to the administration and put my whole graduate program in jeopardy. What was that? Fear of criticism. I mean, fear of criticism was crippling me. Wow. Fear of criticism is destroys a lot of ideas where you could move forward and move into higher levels of success. A part of this I alluded to in the opening, you know, we all have our Moses moments. Now think about that. You know, God shows up I and mean, called Moses by name. This wasn't some kind of random, you know, message being given out to the world. He called Moses by name, and he says, look, I know who you are. I know what you've come from. I know your capabilities. You're my man to walk back in and lead our people out of imprisonment. You're going to be great among your people. You're going to have a lot of descendants. And what did Moses say? It's like, oh, man, not me. You got the wrong guy. I mean, I'm, I'm not good in front of people. I stutter. I mean, maybe you want my brother. Of course, God gave him a pretty harsh reprimand. He says, you know, look, I made you, I made your tongue. I'll give you the words to say. But he says, I've never been good with words. I never have been. You know, even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled up. Wow, is that a familiar scene? I mean, even when we're, we're standing there with a clear door of opportunity, we doubt our ability. We doubt the possibilities that are in front of us. So, what it you experienced in your Moses moment? I mean, did you have one last week? Have you had one today? A Moses moment. Just frame that kind of concept and recognize it in yourself when you have a clear opportunity to move forward and you doubt your ability, you doubt 
that you can walk into that opportunity that's being presented. All right, hey, I want to wrap it up here with, with four simple steps that lead to this habit of persistence. They, they, again, they don't call for a great amount of intelligence. They, you don't need a particular kind of degree or education. They don't take a lot of time. Here are the four necessary steps. Number one, a definite purpose backed by burning desire for its fulfillment. Number two, a definite plan expressed in continuous action. Number three, a mind closed tightly against all negative and discouraging influences, including the negative suggestions of relatives, friends, and acquaintances. And then number four, a friendly alliance with one or more persons who will encourage one to follow through with both plan and purpose. All right? Those are, those are so simple and straightforward. Straightforward. I'll, I'll review those again here in a second. You know, there's so many stories that we've got out there about persistence. I mean, Howard Schultz, who built the Starbucks empire. At the beginning, people said, you know, what do you, what do you think? And you know, that can be done. I mean, this was a time when Folgers was trying to get the cost, cost of a cup of coffee down to 40 cents. And Starbucks comes along and says, hey, it's $4, but we'll give you kind of a cool experience and a, a cool name for what you're drinking. You know, they just took a very common product and created an experience around it and some great terminology to describe those things that you were drinking. Well, today, uh, you don't hear much about Folgers anymore. <laughs> Remember the old slogan, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup? Well, we don't hear that much anymore. But Starbucks, as of right now, has 14,823 locations. And Starbucks net worth, I checked, as of today, as I'm re- recording this, is $136.4 billion. That's a whole lot of money. But Howard Schultz persisted. He persisted with that idea. Paul Martinelli uh, was born into an abusive family. He wasn't popular in school. He was ridiculed for stuttering, often referred to as a dummy. He dropped out of high school and never finished high school to become a nighttime janitor. But then he got a dream about making his life better. He started a commercial cleaning business. I mean, somebody introduced him to Think and Grow Rich. I mean, you can Google and find one of his videos on this. He'll show you the copy of Think and Grow Rich. It's all tattered and torn and marked up. But with reading that, he started to eliminate the excuses from his life. Somebody, the guy who gave him that copy of Think and Grow Rich challenged him to read the chapter on persistence every day for 14 days in a row, which he did. He built his cleaning business. I mean, we're not talking about a fancy, uh, you know, sophisticated business. A cleaning business from nothing to millions and millions of dollars. And then he co-founded and built the John Maxwell team into a globally recognized public speaking and training organization. Now with over 20,000 members, Paul Martinelli. Boy, you talk about being persistent. You know, sometimes uh, we see this, and it's hard to figure out, sometimes we see people who came from really tough backgrounds seem to do a better job of persistence and breaking through barriers and obstacles than somebody who had had it pretty easy going when they were starting out. And we see that borne out a lot. But regardless, don't don't make excuses for your background. It doesn't matter what your background was. And what matters is your future. And that is something you can decide. So just start with these four steps. 
that we just covered. There's no obstacles for you. Again, those four steps are, number one, a definite purpose. Number two, a definite plan. Number three, a mind closed tightly against all negative and discouraging influences. And then number four, a friendly alliance with one or more persons who will encourage one to follow through with both plan and purpose. I mean, that's the power of our online Eagles community, our 48 Days Eagles community. I mean, you can check it out. Just go to 48dayseagles.com and we'll describe it there if you aren't yet a member. But that's the power is that it fulfills that fourth requirement, a friendly alliance with one or more persons who will encourage one to follow through with both plan and purpose. Hey, that's exactly what we want you to What we want you to experience is that. How do you do that? We want you to have those things in place. You can decide to do that. You can grab this principle of persistence and transform where you're going to be a year from now. Man, I want to see you walk into 2022 here with a clear plan, with a definite purpose, with a mind that resist negative influences and with a friendly alliance wow you have those things in place you can write your own ticket for what that year is going to be what that year is going to look like well hey thanks for your uh, persistence and sticking with me through this a little different turn i love answering the questions keep those questions coming in shoot them in to ask dan at 48days.com and just simply ask dan at 48days.com and we'll be back to those again next week sharing the questions that you, the listeners, submit. I love doing that, but I had so many that seem to imply this, you know, gee, I quit, I tried this, I stopped. Gee, I'm in a job I don't like, I don't know what to do, I feel trapped. You know, and there's so many have lined up with this concept that I just wanted to lay out how we can really move into this concept of persistence. Again, not hitting your ham- your thumb with a hammer and doing it over and over again. No, change that, change the plan, change the path but continue toward the big goal, the big purpose, the big dream that you have. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions, for being open to growing, being a powerful force, for making the world a better place, and for believing with me without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.